0: Um, we've been talking about sanctification. Sanctification literally means the process by which we are made holy. And yeah, I'm going to be over here today because I'm using the whiteboard. We used to actually orient the room this way, where this was the front. Um, I like it much better in the middle, so then the people over there aren't so far back today need corrective lenses to see you. So we've been talking about sanctification. Sanctification begins when we're saved. The process starts, and then it continues the rest of our life as God makes us more and more like Jesus. Philippians 2.13. God is always at work within you to make you more willing and more able to obey him. So the process of sanctification is happening all the time. But the more we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in the process of sanctification the better it goes the faster it goes so salvation like when God reached down and plucked us out of the miry clay and adopted us into his family that wasn't about us that it didn't have anything to do with us that was all God that was God's choice it was God's action God's grace he took us we just said okay yes I I will be adopted that's it we submitted that's it it was God's work Sanctification is also God's work, but it requires us. Sanctification requires us to partner with God, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in order to help us to become more like Jesus. We would prefer, at least I would, maybe you wouldn't, but I would prefer God to just like wave a magic wand and boom, I never have judgmental thoughts now. You know, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, I promise. And... Um, the reason is, it's all through this book, Old and New Testament, actually, but particularly the New Testament. The process of sanctification takes time, and it takes our cooperation, and it's what God is primarily interested in, in our life. The primary thing God's interested in is sanctification, and the two things, the two, pri- again, I like categories, you know this about me, okay, so sanctification is the big category that God is interested in. The two main subcategories, the things that sanctification give us are, one, a closer relationship with Jesus. And that's the more important of the two. The most important is a better relationship with Jesus. That's what God is after. And a better relationship with him. And the second thing is that we would bear more fruit, as Jesus said. That we would bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Those are the two things that he's looking to increase in our lives. And becoming more like Jesus does both of those. Okay? Okay. And so God is looking to sanctify us so that we can grow closer to him. And we're going to look at John 15, as Jesus puts it, we can abide in him. And so that we can bear more fruit. And John 15 is so important because it puts those two main categories of sanctification together. And it shows that they're linked. It's really the same thing. The closer we are to God, the more fruit we will bear for the kingdom of God the more glory we will bring to him. And so God is really interested in our sanctification, so much so that he takes opportunity at the difficult times in our life to help us to become more sanctified. And so tests, as I've always called them, difficulties, challenges in our life, God uses these to help us become more sanctified. Oh, you're in a traffic jam and you're already super late and everybody's going to be mad at you? Here's an opportunity to learn patience. Here's an opportunity to give up control Here's an opportunity to learn peace in the mess of stress. And life gives us these opportunities all the time. But God's the one who makes the most out of them. God jumps in and says, hey, Nate, this would be a great time to learn peace instead of going "Ah, ah," all the way to your place and then showing up and being totally useless because you're frazzled. It's not my fault there was traffic. It is my fault. I didn't have to give in to that. I could have given in to the Holy Spirit instead of giving in to myself. I give it to myself often. (laughs) I'm not going to lie, okay? But I'm getting there. Sanctification is a process. We are all a work in progress, right? And God wants us to progress. And at the end of every season, there's a test. And at the end of every semester in school, there are finals. And we've been talking about the seasons of final exams in our life, the tough tests, the big stuff. If these are little tests... Here, in normal life stuff, this is the finals. This is the big stuff. This is the whoa, holy cow. And I'm calling that punctuated sanctification. Punctuated is a science term that means like giant leaps in sanctification. So God uses these opportunities in our lives where everything is, for lack of a better term, horrible. Okay? This is when life is pushing in on us, trying to kill us. Or when our heart is in so much pain that we don't want to go on. Or that we are so confused that we think we're going insane. Okay? These really difficult times are when God jumps in and says, OK, I can use this situation. If, if God can use a little test like traffic to get me to grow a little bit, then what's God going to be able to do with a huge situation? It's going to allow me to grow huge. The, we all go through a few of these in our life. A few of these seasons, they might be weeks, months, maybe a year, that, it, that are really, really tough. And we're gonna, we've been talking about a, three of the main ones that, that we go through. And God uses these seasons, and as I've been saying, he puts purpose into purposelessness. He takes a situation where there's all this meaningless suffering, God, in my life. What is going on? This has no purpose even. And God says, no, I will put a purpose into that. I will make your situation have a purpose. What the enemy meant for evil, you are working for good, Lord. We sang that. Okay, That's why one of the reasons I love that song. Everything in it is awesome. but But that's what we've been talking about. What the enemy meant for evil or what the world meant for evil or what just evil thing happened to you, whatever the situation might be, God will work it for good in your life. That is Romans 8.28. We all know that. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose, God works all things together for good. doesn't mean God causes bad things to happen so that he can sneak some good in. It means all things that do happen to us, God can say, I can make good come out of this. And I can make it be better that this happened than it didn't. And that's really hard to think of when you're in the middle of this. When you're that guy or gal and you can't see over the next peak, and you can't hear anything, you can't feel God, you don't know where you are, where he is, where anything is, what the heck is going on. Even then, God can put purpose and meaning into it. And because the opportunity to grow in these seasons is so big, these are the most important periods of your life. The most important periods of your life are your periods of greatest struggle or greatest suffering or greatest pain. Those are the most important times in your life because it's through those things that God can allow you to grow the most. The problem is we tend to fight against those seasons because they suck so much and we want to get out of them. But the way out is the way through. If we are stuck in a season of great pain, the way through is to hold Jesus' hand and walk through the fire. And he will walk through with us. We might not feel that hand there because when you're in pain, it's hard to feel anything else than pain, true physical pain, spiritual pain, whatever it is. It's hard, but we can trust he's there. And that's when scripture comes in so important. When we can't see for ourselves, hear for ourselves, feel for ourselves, we step back and we put our faith in scripture. This is the key we we talked about from Peter last time. That's how you pass any test. Pretty much any test, actually, there is. But definitely these really, really hard seasons. And they're tough. You start out with humility, because that's how you basically always start out with God. The more humble you can get, the better you're going to end up. And especially because a lot of these tests are meant to, like, crucify the flesh and, like, burn ourselves away. I'm not talking about, like, our personality or the good things about us. I'm talking about the bad things about us, our old nature that already should be dead, but we kind of keep bringing back that kind of stuff. Because that's the point, the more humility we can muster, the better it's going to go and the faster it's going to go. Humility is like the lubrication for the machine. Without it, it's it's just not going to work, okay? Trust. Trust is tough when you don't see God, when you don't hear God, when you don't know where in the world he is. It's hard to trust him. You trust God all your life, and now everything's going horribly. You expected that as you trust and follow the Lord, things are going to go well for you. That's a verse somewhere, right? And that's true. Overall, yeah. Yeah. But there's still going to be seasons that are the opposite of that. And so it's natural for us to be like, this is not what I was taught in Sunday school. I was not taught in Sunday school, follow Jesus, and life will become absolutely unbearable at some point. My Sunday school teacher, uh, maybe I skipped that week. I don't know. The puppet for things will suck, like didn't do his job. But the, so, but the reality is we get there. And so trust is right away. That's the first struggle. That's the first difficulty. How can we trust in a God who's now no longer doing what we expect him to do? Unmet expectations always lead to disappointment. Okay? That's true with everything. And if, so if you're having trouble with trust, love is what you need to dive into because the more we receive the love of God, the more we understand that he is good. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. I can trust him even though I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing. I can trust him because I know how much he loves me. My sister Stephanie when she was a little kid when she was a little kid i used to my i was downstairs and when i would come up from the basement she would go like this and dive at me and i would have to scramble up the stairs to catch her this happened multiple times until she was like old i want to say like 6 And finally, I'm like, you you have to stop doing this. Now, why does she do do that? Because she trusted me. She trusted me so much because she knew how much I loved her. I was 14 years older, so I was like, you know, very big brother, right? She knew I loved her so much that she had complete, perfect, childlike trust. So much so that she did something unwise many times and dove off the stairs hoping I would catch her. Um, Now, unlike Nate, God actually is worthy of all that trust. OK, we can dive off of one of these cliffs into his arms. He is trustworthy. And if we understand and receive his love, we know we can trust him like that. Rejoicing, I think, is the hardest one. We're in the midst of pain. We're in the midst of horror. It's hard to rejoice. <laughs> and that's why I think worship, worship music and worshiping is, is often one of the great ways to get out of a, tr- of a trial. Sometimes we need to worship our way out. And there's a lot of examples of that, particularly in the Old Testament of people who worship their way out. There's examples in the New Testament too, though. When Paul was in prison, when Peter was in prison, what did they do? They worshiped their way literally out of prison. <laughs> like, they rejoiced in the midst of, and, and by the way, when the Bible doesn't explain a lot of stuff because it assumed you knew because it was written in the first century. Everybody knew what they were reading. But when it says like, and Peter was there with his jailer, what that meant is the jailer, had a big thing around his ankle that was also attached to Peter. And that guy was in charge of beating Peter unconscious continually. Like, that's how it worked back then. There were rats that would nibble on you. Soldiers would take bets and make make people fight, see how long they could survive, all that kind of stuff. It was horrible. So it's like, oh, they were in jail. They're not talking about modern jail, okay? We're talking a horror show that a lot of people didn't survive, okay? Okay. And in the midst of that, they're just praising God, which is what they're in jail for. Dangerous, risky, they don't care. They're doing it anyway. And that was so powerful that it broke the locks right off their chains, and it opened the doors. Rejoicing in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty, is powerful. Really, really powerful and we do that and then we continue to walk by faith which which is faith is always belief plus obedience you don't you don't just have faith like in a belief faith is you walk something out you do something faith is action so faith is belief plus obedience so whatever god is telling you to do in your situation do that follow through with that and if you can't hear and so you don't know what God wants you to do in your situation. That's when you ask friends, you ask family to come in with you. I, I can't hear right now. This is too much. It's, it's too, Pain is too loud in my head. I can't hear God, but I need some direction. I need to know what I should do. Bring other people into your life. They can listen for you. That's what we're for. We listen for our friends, right? We help each other out. We bear each other's burdens. And you persevere through that. You keep persevering through those things, and you pass your test. We talked about the different kinds of tests and how important it is to not fail, If we fail, we probably have to retake it. (laughs) Not the best (laughs) situation. okay? Even though I said these are the most important situations in your life, you still don't want to redo one you don't have to do. Right? One bout with cancer is enough. Let's stop there. okay? Whatever the situation happens to be, let's pass the test. Let's do this stuff. Let's walk with Jesus and not do what we tend to do, which is to fight it and just to pray for escape. We need to trust the Lord even when he doesn't provide us the escape. And it's not that he doesn't like us, so he's not providing our escape because he wants to see if we can do it. It's because it's better for us if he doesn't. Because if we persevere through this, we grow and we become more like Jesus, and that's better for us. Because as it turns out, that's what life is about. That's what life is for. Life is so that we can become more like Jesus. And so if there is one particular way that God knows he can help us to become more like Jesus, don't you think he's going to use it? Because that's in our best interest. We don't think it's in our best interest because it hurts and we don't want it. But God understands it's in, it's in our best interest. I've used the example of parents making kids eat vegetables, but that, that's so silly one compared to the other. But it's, it's the same idea. Um, God knows what we need more than we do. So when it's situational, when it's life just pressing in all over the place, I call that the crucible or the pressure cooker. That's one kind of this like punctuated sanctification thing that we go through in life. Life is just horrible. Nothing goes right. It's one thing after another and it is just insane. That's one type of these situations. Another type of situation is more what I would call heart surgery. There's something in you that's wounded or broken. Maybe it's always been there. Maybe you realized it or you didn't. Maybe something happened to you. Maybe there was an experience. Maybe it was a long-term series of experiences, like a boss or a parent or something constantly tearing you down, constantly grinding you away, constantly telling you how you were worthless and nothing and stupid. And eventually, that has a permanent effect on your heart and on who you are, right? So whatever the situation is. Somewhere in your heart, you have this gash. You have a wound. You have something there. And many people believe or are even told, that's just who you are. That's always going to be there. You just need to learn to live around it. And that's false. That's false. God is the healer, and it's his desire to heal that. And so this, this is meant to show the process of sanctification. Eventually, more and more of yourself is kind of erased away, and you're left with more and more heart to give to the Lord. But eventually, as God is erasing yourself and getting rid of this stuff, you come across this wound, this gash in your heart that God needs to deal with. And that's painful. Okay, So we're talking about heart surgery. Now, in the natural, heart surgery is not that fun, right? There's an implement called a chest cracker that is involved, and another one called a rib spreader. These are things that you don't want anything to do with, Right? I don't want anything called the rib spreader anywhere near my body. Okay? Then they cut you wide open. They kill you. They cut on your heart, sew you back up, start you up again. This is not a fun process. It's not a process any of us would choose on a Saturday where we got nothing going on. Right? Well, I already raked the yard, so. How about heart surgery, right? But if you need heart surgery, you need heart surgery. There's no getting around it. If your doctor says you have to do this or you'll die, then you got to do it. And so God takes us and he loves us and he cares about us. And he's like, I need to fix this thing in you. I need to fix this problem you have, this wound you have, this struggle you've always had, that you believe the lie that you would always have it, but you don't have to. Whatever, this, whatever the wound is, whatever form it takes, whatever happened to get, make it there, God wants to heal it. He wants to get rid of it for you. And so he's going to put you through surgery in order to do that. And that is not going to be fun. And it's going to really, really hurt. And afterwards, it'll hurt worse than it did before. Because that's how surgery works, right? And the recovery process is long. And it's difficult. But that's how surgery works, and it has to be done. The difficulty is, because it's painful and because we don't like it, we're begging God to stop. Even if we realize it's God, which happens very rarely. Most of the time we're like, this has to be the devil. This has to be you know, something horrible. And it's like, it's not the devil, it's you. You're the problem. You have something wrong. Whether it's your fault or not, doesn't matter. If there's something wrong in here. I need to fix it. And God is like, I am not going to. Wave my magic wand and make it go away because that's not a thing. It doesn't exist. I am going to save you. You're asking for saving, for rescue. I am going to do that. But the the process of saving you from this situation is going to be painful because surgery stinks. But we don't like that. We don't like pain, so we try to run away. And God says we have to do it anyway um it's very common this is really confusing when you're living through one of these kind of situations and this might take a week or two it might take months it might be a year you might be in this for a long time it's very confusing people think they're going nuts other people might tell you you're going nuts think job and his friends either you're a crazy sinner or you're nuts and job is like neither of these is true i'm not i don't think i'm a crazy sinner and i don't think i'm nuts god is doing something here and he was right um did you have a question In terms of in the physical world, yes. Yep. In the natural, he he might want to heal you supernaturally or through other means other than actual surgery. Um, the metaphor here is the surgery is spiritual. He's doing an emotional surgery, a spiritual surgery. And that's the only way he can fix you is through that. Um, and... Mm-hmm. or something. I don't know, you know. I yeah. Feel like you have to you have we we absolutely do have to listen and we have to cooperate <laughs> as much as we can mm-hmm. and it is a process and it takes time. And sometimes there's a lot of pre-surgery issues that you have to get over mm-hmm. first and then comes the big finale and then comes the recovery which takes time. Um, and we often find at the end that we're very different people but you're also than about when like we started. Surgeon, right? right. I'm talking about in the spirit in your heart. So we're, we're heart surgery, we're talking about emotions, primarily. Um, emotions, wounds, things that have happened in your life. I, guess, I mean, I was thinking in the physical like, surgery, you know, like sure. when you're speaking this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that could, like the spiritual surgery could happen through that physical surgery, too. It could be. It could. They, they could coincide. Yeah, For but for, for, the, for these purposes, it's just a metaphor. We're talking about heart stuff, emotional stuff, um, which is a lot easier to deal with than physical stuff. At least to me. Physical stuff is like, fine, point, the, point at the place, tell me what I got to do, I'll do it, and we're done. Emotional stuff is harder to see. It's harder to figure out. You don't know what's going on. It's a lot more painful. Emotional stuff can be much more painful than physical. Um, my, I have a physical um, genetic condition a lot of you know about, um, which is bad. There's a lot of bad things um, associated with that health-wise. My daughters both have basically milder versions of it. Bella has the worst, my youngest. And so... Uh, Part of it is that um, we don't have any cilia in our nose or sinus area, and so we get sinus infections immediately, and that leads to other sicknesses and stuff like that. And so this is gross. I'm sorry. We have to like, you know, use like the Nelly pot and flush um, our sinuses out regularly in order to keep us healthy, so we don't get sick all the time. And as a kid, I was battling an infection literally for like 14 years, and we didn't realize it. And so I was sick three out of every four weeks of my life, constantly sick, and. So in order to save Bella that, what we had to do is we had to rinse out her nose to keep her healthy, right? Well, a baby doesn't want you to stick a bottle up their nose and run liquid through their sinuses. They they find that painful, confusing, disturbing, and in all other ways bad. The older they get, the worse it is. Okay? So when she's two, three, four, it's like we gotta rinse out your nose. That's that's the worst sentence in her life, okay, And she freaks out. I mean, it is hard. I had to take a towel and wrap it around her arms and body in order to keep her arms straight jacketed, sit her on the ground, put my leg over her lap to pin her down, hold her head against my chest like this, and rinse out her noise. It was the only way that it could happen, because she was fighting it with everything in her being. And she's going, stop, no, 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 daddy, I'll be good, I'll be good. I'm like, this is not about you being good. It's just about helping you become healthy. No, no. Like, Her little brain is trying to figure out, and this is what we do, folks. This is what we do when God's doing this to us, okay? No, please. And I'm like, it's going to be okay. Just just relax, and it'll be over soon. No, Daddy, stop. Dad, stop. No, no. Twice a week for four years. And it. It broke my heart every time. But I'm her dad, and I love her, and she needed it. Okay? She had to have it done to keep her healthy, to keep her safe. And so I did it, even though it was horrible for her. And even though I was the bad guy for doing it, I had to do it. And God does that for us even though what we have to go through is horrible, and even though it hurts, and even though we beg for him to stop, he knows we need it. We need to be fixed. We need to be made whole. And so he helps us to do that, even when it really hurts. And that's what heart surgery is about. And Jesus understands it all. He's had all the wounds as well. I mean, we could go on and on about this, but he grew up his whole life people calling his mom a whore and telling him he was a bastard because they all knew about the whole situation. I guarantee you he heard that constantly. Every time he heard that, he had to give that up to the Lord. And he had to put that on the altar just like we do. And he had to forgive just like we do. And he had to receive healing on his heart just like we do. And he built up a few scars over the years just like we do. And so whatever it is that we are going through, whatever pain, emotional, physical, whatever pain we're going through, Jesus has been there. He really does understand. Not only has he been there himself, he is there now with us in the midst of whatever we're going through. Whether we feel him there or not, he really is there. The last thing I want to talk about, the third type of these situations, um, is in John 15. And I think I'm going to teach on this um, Later in the winter, so I'm just going to give a brief, a brief overview of it now. But this, um, the, the, the third season is called pruning, and it's different than the first two. Uh, in, in a pressure cooker or a crucible situation, that's the world pressing in on us. Maybe it's the devil. Maybe it's a combo of both. It's more situational. Um, Heart surgery is usually something that came about from our own making or just happened in our own life. And then God helps us to heal and get out of it. But it's still really, really difficult and really painful. This third one, pruning, is all God. This was God's idea from the beginning. And God's going to be the one to do it. Okay? Um, Which makes it a little more difficult (laughs) in a way. Because it's easy to get upset at God when God's the instigator of the pain in your life. So John 15, um, in a couple of weeks when we go through this, I'm going to read the whole passage. But for now, I'm just going to read the first couple of verses. This is Jesus. I guarantee you he took his disciples to a vineyard for this sermon. Okay, So he f- found a vineyard. He took them there. And he's pointing things out in the vineyard while he talks about this. And for those who don't know how grapevines work, they grow up out of the vine, out of the ground. And then the vine dresser trains them usually to go this way. So they're going horizontal, and they go horizontal for as long as they go. And then out of them comes branches. They usually train them all the same direction so it's easier to to harvest later and prune and stuff. Um, And out of those branches come shoots or canes. People use different names for them. Tinier branches. And on those tiny branches is where the leaves and the flowers and the fruit come. Okay? And so Jesus is saying, I am the vine. I'm the main thing. Okay? all of your life, all of your health, all of your everything you have comes from the vine, okay? The vine gets the nutrients from the earth and the sun and it pumps it through the branch, okay? You're the branch and God's going to do stuff with you in order for you to bear fruit. Remember, the point of sanctification is so we grow closer to God and so that we can bear fruit. Bearing fruit is not a given. Um, I am the true vine, Jesus says. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Okay? So if you have branches in your life that aren't bearing fruit, he's going to take it away. He's going to cut it off. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so if there are things in your life that are not bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, okay, they're not helping out the kingdom. They're not really helping out God. They're just there. Okay? That's the first season of pruning. The first season of pruning is cutting off the dead wood. Maybe it's, maybe it's got a bunch of leaves on it, and it provides shade, which is comfy for you. But it's not really bearing any fruit. Okay. So I think this first season of pruning is we're mostly talking about the self. God is pruning the self. We're talking about things we like to do, we like to have, hobbies, all that kind of stuff. Those things aren't evil, but they're self. They're, they only help us. They don't help the kingdom in and of themselves okay? So God comes and he prunes those branches off first so that we can bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And many of us in here have already experienced this, and there's multiple seasons of this in our life, right? Many of us have experienced it. Most of us have borne fruit for the kingdom of God, and that's wonderful. And once we are bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, we get promoted because he wants us to not just bear fruit, but bear more fruit, And so then comes the second type of pruning, which is when he cuts away stuff that's still alive and that is maybe even bearing fruit. Because maybe you, the branch coming off the vine, has a couple different branches, and this one produces a tiny bit of fruit, and this one produces a tiny bit of fruit, and this one does too, and then the main one produces more fruit. But as anyone who's ever dealt with plants knows, if you cut off those other four branches... All the life flows into that main one, and it will produce more fruit. And that is what God is interested in here. That's the sanctification piece, that you bear more fruit. And so the second season of pruning, he comes in, and he cuts off things that are alive in your life. Cutting your hair doesn't hurt, despite what my son believed when he was very tiny. Cutting your fingers, fingernails doesn't hurt. But has anyone ever chopped... uh, like fruit, fruit or, or vegetables up and accidentally nipped off a little bit of the end of your finger. Yikes! That's a whole other story, right? Why? Because it's alive. Cutting off something that's alive really hurts. Jesus is like, look, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. He's going to prune things. He's going to cut off the new buds in the spring. He's going to cut off the branches that are only producing a little bit of fruit so that you can bear more. That's his job. And that's what he's going to do. And this is like, oh, cool, vine, vine dresser. It's so poetic. It's so beautiful. It's, it's very farm to table. We love it, right? Well, you don't love it if you're the branch. If you're the branch and you don't know what's going on because you don't have eyes because you're a branch, and the vine dresser comes and starts cutting off living parts of you, what do you think automatically? Stop it! No! I needed that! But that's what he does. That's his job. He comes and cuts stuff off of you so that you bear more fruit. And those things are living, and that sucks, okay? So it may be that God comes to you and starts taking away things in your life. You may have something that you've always done. Maybe you've done this thing for 20 years, and it's borne fruit for the kingdom. And God says, that's over now. And you say, what? What? No. This is where my fruit was. It was, but not anymore. We're, we're going to channel all the energy and in life into another place. Maybe it's another place that already exists. Maybe we're forming something new. But we're going to cut that away. Empty nesters. This, that's guarantee that you're going to experience that. Once your kids are out of the house, but I have poured all my life into my kids and all this kind of stuff, and now it doesn't happen in the same way that it used to. And that's pruning. That's pruning based on how old you and your kids are. Other pruning happens just based on the timing of God. Okay? But... These seasons of pruning, they clip away things that we feel like we need. We want them. We need them. They're alive. It really, really hurts. And God's like, nope, I'm taking away this. I'm taking away that. I'm taking away that. I'm taking away this friendship. Why? That's, that's a fun friendship. Why would you take that friendship away? You don't need it. This is where I want you to focus right now. You'll, you'll see them in heaven. You've given them everything they need from you now, and you need to focus on this. But God, friends are important. Listen to me. Obey what I'm saying. I'm pruning this. I'm pruning that. This is tough. It's confusing because God's taking away things that are good. These aren't bad things. The dead wood, the wood that isn't producing fruit, maybe just leaves, that's selfish stuff. That's us. We can be like, okay, I get that. I don't want to give up my Netflix and chill night to minister to this couple who's really in need. I don't want to do that, but I will do that if that's what you're asking me to do, Okay, I'm not saying Netflix and chill is bad. And we all need time. We all need rest, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes God will make you do it. And sometimes he'll make you do it when you least want to. Like when you desperately need the night off, he'll say, ooh, I'm going to have to have you do it tonight. And that's, that's one of the test things, right? Um, and so that's, that's the, the deadwood, That's the first pruning. But the second pruning he's, pruning, he's not pruning away things that are bad or indifferent. He's pruning away things that are good. And that's hard. It's really, really hard. But he does that so that you can bear more fruit. And then, as we'll talk about whenever we, we teach this, um, as we learn to abide in him, abide in the vine, we will eventually bear much fruit. And the way that works is the longer we are connected, the more we are connected to the vine, the bigger, and in the natural now, the vine and the branch, the more the the branch abides in the vine, that connection between the vine and the branch gets huge. And I've seen vineyards where the connection between the vine and the branch is like this big, and it tapers down to like a branch. But it is massive. And we're talking about decades of abiding in the vine. And eventually, all that... Gets pumped into grapes over here that are insane. Huge, delicious, unique, beautiful fruit. And that's what God plans for you. God's plan is that you would bear giant, delicious, unique fruit that is amazing, that people want to go from all over the place to come and taste. And it says here that it brings glory to the Father when you bear much fruit. Verse 8. So that's the goal, to bring glory to the Father. It brings glory to the Father when you bear much fruit. And so we all start out with none, then we get some, then we get more, and eventually if we stay with the Lord, we get much. But these seasons of pruning, especially if we don't recognize them or know what's going on, are are really, really tough. Because God's clipping away good stuff of our lives. Uh, The first real strong one I can remember is when I was in college and I had been doing ministry and leadership and leading the campus, Christian groups, and I had been doing a lot of stuff, and I was kind of a big deal. <laughs> right? And then, I was nothing. And I was still there. And I'd be like, hey! I'd be like, oh, hey, we remember you. Yeah, am I not important now? Not really. We're kind of beyond you now. We moved on. And I'm like, but God, this was my whole life, my whole ministry, everything. My only branch bearing fruit was this. You cut that off? I didn't get it. I was confused. I was upset. It was painful. It was, it was really not great from my perspective as a blind branch who doesn't understand what's going on. But God had to do that to move me into the next thing. That's so what was necessary. So, pruning is another one of these seasons. It can be really tough. It can be really frustrating. It can be really painful. But the more we are aware that this kind of stuff is normal Christian life, the better we are. Okay? This is normal Christian life. God prunes every branch, God heals every heart. And God will put purpose into the stupidest, horrible situations in your life that we all will go through. All of us. God does this all the time for everybody. This is all normal Christian life. And I want us to be aware of that for ourselves when we find ourselves in one of these. And I know many of us are in one of these now or have recently come out of one. And when we see it in our friends. When our friends are struggling and confused and freaking out, we can be like, it's okay." what you're experiencing right now is actually normal Christian life. And Jesus is right there with you even though it feels like he's miles away. And it's okay. And you can be the rock they need. You can be the eyes and ears that they don't have right now. And that's what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ is to help each other through so that we can get higher and higher so that we can get closer and closer to Jesus so that we can get more and more like him in our lives. Amen? All right, I'm going to close in prayer. We'll talk about pruning sometime after Christmas a little more. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll get into Thanksgiving and Christmas next. I know this has been kind of a heavy series the last few weeks. Like, dude. Um, But this this is normal Christian life. We all go through this stuff. And most of the time that I've talked to people, They don't realize it's normal. They think they're going through something horrible. So they assume they've backslidden or God is angry with them or God's abandoned them or something like that. And it's like, no, no, no. No, It's none of that stuff. You're not here because of your sin. You're you're here. End of sentence. God's now going to do something. End of story. Victory. You're going to have the victory. So, yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean all of life is suffering and pain and difficulty. I think we know that. Um, But I don't know. I found it very comforting when when I've been in these seasons to have other people tell me, look, it's okay. And you're going to get through it. God's going to bring you through it. Walk with him. Get on your knees. Get on your face. Whatever you need to do to cooperate with the Lord. Do this stuff from Peter. Humility, trust, rejoice, faith, persevere. If you can do that, you'll pass your finals. And then you're in the next grade. You're in the next level. You're in the next job, whatever it is. You've passed. And now there's a whole bunch of new stuff for you to do that you couldn't have done before. And see, that's the purpose of this. It's more sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. God's super smart, as it turns out. And so he knows that in a couple years, you're going to be doing this. Whatever this is, this is your destiny. And God says, hmm, Right now, she's a little shy on faith. And she's a lot shy on trusting me when it comes to money. And so I need to get her there. And so in order to give her what she doesn't have now, I am going to either find or orchestrate a test, a difficulty, a problem. Because through the problems, we get stronger. Through a money problem, we learn to trust God. And we respond by giving even more. And like when we respond in the right ways, we grow. And now, at the end of that final, you have more faith than you did. And you now trust God with money. And you'll never doubt him again when it comes to money because of how miraculously he came through in that horrible, painful, God-where-are-you situation. He came through. Now you trust him. Now you have what it takes to fulfill what it is he's calling you to do, okay? Now, I'm saying that just not just to show that God works through time and sees everything, but, like, this isn't capricious on God's part. He doesn't just be like, time for you to be suffering, and then, like, let's see how you can pull through. That's not, that's not what it is, okay? God loves you. He is a good father. He is not a random, capricious monkey throwing darts to see who gets to suffer today. That might be how it feels when you're in the middle of it, but that's really, that's really not at all how it is, but sometimes God does do intentional stuff because he knows what you need and he needs to get you there. Are with me on that? Yep. Okay. I was just yeah. mention you were Netflix tonight. Mm-hmm. anyone heard about Pure Flix? Pure Flix? yes, I have heard about it. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. <laughs> Commercial for Pure Flix. <laughs> Awesome. All right, Father, we thank you that you are the vine dresser. We thank you that you are the heart surgeon. We thank you that you... Of the God who is with us even in the midst of the crucible, even when our gold is being refined in that fire and all we feel is melt and pain and horribleness. We thank you that you are with us through all that. We thank you that even in the most purposeless, meaningless, stupid, stupid stuff in our lives, that you insert purpose, you insert meaning, you insert good, even if it's meant for evil in our life. You work it out for good. Lord, who but you could do that? Who but you? We praise you, and we ask you that you would help us get better at humility, better at trusting you, better at rejoicing, and praising you, even in the midst of what we're going through. Help us get better at faith, and walking that out, and help us to persevere. Sometimes when things go on and go on and go on, it really wears us down. Help us persevere. Jesus, you are our strength. We ask you to be our strength. Holy Spirit, we ask you to reveal the word of God to us, either directly or show us the scriptures that we need to meditate on now, the scriptures that we need to dive into and really build a foundation on to get us through these kind of times. And Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see those around us, You would give us eyes to see the difference between, oh, she's having a bad day and, hmm, maybe she's really going through something. Maybe I need to come alongside and comfort her. When Moses had to uh, keep his arms lifted up to win the battle, I think it was the Amalekites, he he had to hold up his arms for, like, hours. That's hard. He couldn't do it anymore. He just physically couldn't do it. And so he had to have his buddies, Joshua and Her. You've probably never heard of her before, but he had a really important job. He saved Israel, this guy named Hur, H-U-R, by holding up the arms of Moses. And he made it in the Bible because he heroically helped Moses. We need to be Hur sometimes for each other. We need to hold up each other's arms, hold up each other to keep each other from falling over sometimes. Father God, give us eyes to see those opportunities and allow us to do it. And Lord, help us to yield to you when you're pruning us, when you're doing heart surgery on us, when you're dealing with our emotions or things on a deep level. Help us to yield. Give us the courage to walk through the pain with you so that we get to the other side. We thank you for all these things. We ask that you would bless the food to our bodies. Thank you for the hands that prepared it all. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord